Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. I tried something new that I haven't done before. I asked God for a word for 2020. Um, uh, This is a practice that uh, a fair number of people do. I'm sure some people around here have done it. And the idea is at the turn of the year, you have a conversation with God and you ask him, okay, Lord, can you give me a word that helps me focus on partnering with what you're doing in my life over the next year? Um, I bet there's some people in here who, who did this here for 2020, a few people here. All right, just for those of us who, who haven't, um, what, what was your word for the year, Ginger? Shalom. Shalom, okay? That would be meaning peace, right? Okay, what, what about you? One of you two raised your hands there, right? Troy, what was your word for the year? Hold on. Hold on. Oh, that's interesting. All right. Uh, one more, one more. Somebody else? You all raise your hand. Uh, Becky Crane, I can see you back there, right? Invitation, awesome, so good, okay? I, I, uh, we polled our Sullivan group, so Sullivan, just to kind of fold you guys in here, a few of them, strength, choice, brave. Um, you, you get the idea here. You can kind of see, see, the, see the example, and then, you know, this kind of helps you focus your, your year. And for me, like, I've, I've seen people do this, uh, but it's just like, I don't know, it never really caught my attention. But this year I thought, you know what? Yeah, let's try that, why not? So the first week of 2020, I have a conversation with God, and I'm like, okay, God, you know, let's try this thing. Word for the year. I'm listening, Lord. Give me something to help me focus. And you know what he says? Okay, like you heard these, like, like you know, peace and invitation, you know, strength or whatever. This is the word I got for 2020. Chaos. Are you serious, God? Like, this is not at all encouraging. Like, how am I even supposed to take this? Like, you want my life to be more chaotic? Like, is that that even you? Um, Well, so I've talked with him a whole lot since then. And and, and I do think it was him. And I think it does mean something. Um, To unpack the entirety of it is going to take longer than I have in a weekend service. And so uh, I'm going to invite you. That's actually what I'm going to talk about at MLMP this year. So if you want to hear the whole thing, uh, I'm going to take an hour talk about it at MLMP. But there's a slice of it that I want to draw out here. And that is, I think circumstantially, it's a good descriptor of our environment here in 2020. I don't know about you, but words like chaotic, unpredictable, turbulent, doesn't that describe what it feels like? We're only a month into 2020, and it's like, what is going on? I had just recovered from, you know, the whole Australia fire thing, only to find out now we have a coronavirus running rampant around the world, and I'm trying to wrap my head around that. You know, Kobe Bryant's unexpected passing, I'm like, whoa, you know, that, that's crazy, and it just feels like everything is spinning everywhere kind of out of control, doesn't it? And it's in the midst of this very crazy, very chaotic, if you will, environment (laughs) that we all have to learn how to find our footing. And that's why we're taking this month and in the beginning of 2020 to talk about simply Jesus. 
When the world gets fuzzy, he can help bring us into focus. And one of the things that we all, I think, will do well to invest in in this next year ahead is the more complicated our world gets, the more unexpected our world gets, to keep up, our own growth has to accelerate as well. The feeling of being two steps behind is a sense when our growth isn't keeping up with our circumstances. And so today, what we're going to talk about is learning from our teacher, Jesus. How can we grow with him and not feel like we're barely treading water in this chaotic world? Let's pray. Jesus, we invite you to be the teacher. I thank you that you are present whenever we gather. You promise that two or three or more in your name, you are here with us. So Jesus, I thank you that you are here with us. And I ask that you would be the teacher today, God. Would you speak through me? Would you speak through our worship? Would you speak through our prayers and our fellowship and our conversations and and everything else, God? We want to hear your voice. We want to be shaped by you. And so we've come and you've come. (laughs) We give you permission now to do that in our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, last week, Julie introduced this series And she brought up the idea of different ministry voices. This is something that we see that Jesus, after he resurrects, after he ascends up to heaven, Jesus pours out uh, five different ministry voices that continue the ministry that he started when he was here on the earth. In Ephesians 4, uh, Paul talking about this um, puts it this way. It says, and he, Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, or pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. When Jesus goes back up to heaven, he pours out not one, but five distinct forms of ministry that continue the ministry he started. All of these find their source in him. He's the premier apostle. He's the ultimate prophet. He's the ultimate, you know, evangelist and pastor and teacher. These, are, these aren't a ministry separate from Jesus. They are the uh, continuation of the diverse ministry of Jesus Christ. And this is why, parenthetically, we've always been committed to a team teaching approach here uh, at the Vineyard Church because it allows these different voices to come to the forefront and for us to receive the entirety of Jesus' ministry when we gather. What we see from this passage is these ministries are here to do two things, to build up the body of Christ and to equip the saints for ministry. So the prophet is here to build up the body of Christ. How do they do that? They bring the word of the Lord to the church. Guys, this is what God is saying to us in this season. The evangelist um, brings people into the family. They they bring them to the moment where they say, you know what? I think Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. Do you want to say yes to that? And you know, when I say that, they're like, eh, I don't know. But when Clay says that, they can run into the front crying, you know? So (laughs) they're here to do the ministry, to build up the body. But they're also here to equip the saints as well. So the prophet doesn't just say, here's what the Lord is saying to us. The prophet also says, and here, let's work on how you can hear God for yourself. And the evangelist says, now let's talk about how you can talk to your neighbor or your coworker or your friend or family member. 
And so these ministries are here to pour into the body and to help equip the body. And last week, Julie talked about the ministry of the pastor, connection and relationship with one another and with God. And today we're going to continue and we're going to talk and look at the voice of the teacher. And what is the priority of the voice of the teacher? Well, we're going to find out that it's connected to our growth and our development. To see that, we need to think about what knowledge is biblically. You see, when I say the word teacher, if you're like me, probably the first thing that comes to mind is what we have an experience with hundreds, probably thousands of hours of sitting in a room somewhere with a bunch of other people with one person in the front who is called the teacher. And the teacher's job is to tell you things that you likely don't know. And your job is to file them away in the back of your mind, um, hopefully accurately enough, so that later when there's an exam or a quiz or a homework assignment or a project, you can recall the things that the teacher just taught you. In other words, we all have thousands of hours of experience thinking that the teacher is here to give us knowledge that we don't know. They're here to tell us something so that we can file it away for later. And when we gather in a church body and we recreate an environment that looks and feels exactly like that, perhaps a little bigger than we attended in most of our schooling, it's easy to just mentally slip into the exact same gear. The role of the teacher is to tell you something about Jesus that you didn't know, that hopefully you can recall on the homework assignment of your life when that comes up. And where we miss that is biblically the idea of knowledge is not meant to mean mental cognition. The idea of knowledge is not facts and understanding that we file mentally. It's, it's, it's bigger, it's broader than that. A couple of verses before what we read uh, there in Ephesians 4, Paul prays a, uh, prays a really interesting prayer in Ephesians 3. And he's going to pray and end the prayer talking about knowledge, actually. But I want you to look at all the things he threads through to get there before he hits that point. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. This is not talking about a brain thing happening. He's saying, I pray that God himself would grant power and strengthen you internally. <clears throat> so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So you would experience the indwelling Jesus. He's like something deep and mystical is what he's talking about here. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend. Well, that's really interesting. With all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, <laughs> that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. What Paul is talking about here is not the idea of filing away facts in the back of our mind. Knowledge is not something that we understand just mentally. Biblically, knowledge is something that's woven into the fabric of our being. It's something that's written on the texture of our lives. 
not just the logic that we can understand. A, a good example of this might be um, a medical student uh, who's uh, on the process to uh, becoming a doctor. They're going to go through years of classes where they're going to learn all kinds of things. They're studying anatomy and physiology, and, and they're going to learn about drugs and drug interactions and how to diagnose various diseases and so forth and so on. And there's all kinds of mental cognition that's happening. But biblically speaking, they don't know medicine until they're practicing it. They don't know medicine until they're sitting down with someone and they're having the conversation. What are your symptoms? And okay, let me prescribe you this or whatever it is. It's the practice of it. When it's a life lived, that's when they have a knowledge of medicine. <clears throat> Jesus puts it this way in, in uh, Matthew 10. He's talking with his disciples. And he says, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It's enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. You see, a teacher's role is not to stand in front of you and tell you things you don't know because the lack in our lives is, is often not a lack of mental cognition that, that hurts us. The teacher's role is to help us pattern our lives Paul says it this way, follow me as I follow Christ. And that's a very important distinction because otherwise, it's really easy to kind of slip into that mode and what happens is the, the things that we have heard and we have mentally understood can actually act like an anesthetic against what God is doing in our life. If you've attended church any time at all, you've heard an awful lot of sermons. And hopefully the messages have been helpful and thought-provoking and profound and funny and delivered by an exceptionally... Hand no. Um, <laughs> hopefully they've been, they've been filled with great mental stuff. But there is no way, if you attend church all 52 weeks a year, which I know every single one of you do, there is no way you can work out 52 things in your life. It just doesn't work that way. It takes time. And so any of us that have participated in this church thing for any period of time, we probably have a lot more up here than we have worked out in our lives. And if we think that once it's worked out up here, we've got it, then when God starts working something out in our lives and someone says, oh, this is what's happening, we go, oh, no, 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 I've heard that message before. I get it. And we move right on. Missing the fact that, yeah, okay, it fits in your head, but it hasn't been written on your life yet. That's what you really need. And so the teacher's role is to help us do that, pattern our life. And as we saw there, Jesus is the teacher. It's enough for a disciple to be like his teacher. And the incredible thing is that after Jesus uh, you know, dies and resurrects and ascends, he actually continues to be our teacher. How does that work? Well, in John 16, he unpacks it for us. We're hanging out with John a lot in this series, and here's what Jesus says about this particular topic. When the spirit of truth comes, that's the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, 
But whatever he hears, he will speak. It's interesting. We're going to come back to that. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, look, when the the Holy Spirit gets poured out, which happens on the day of Pentecost, he's going to play a spiritual game of telephone with you. You guys know that game, telephone? You line up a bunch of people, and, you know, one person says a word, and it just gets repeated down the line, and somehow it just gets completely mangled by the time you get four people down the line. Well, what Jesus is saying is that the Holy Spirit is playing a game of telephone between Jesus and us. The Holy Spirit is not saying his own ideas. What he hears, he will speak. And he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He's saying Jesus, seated at the right hand of the Father, looks at us and goes, I know the exact lesson that they need at this time in their life. I know what they need to be shaped into. So he tells the Holy Spirit, here's what to say. Unfortunately, he's got better hearing than we do. So he always captures it. (laughs) And then he turns around and he says to us what belongs to Jesus. The Holy Spirit allows Jesus to be our personal tutor. And that's, I think, really important. Because the things that need to be formed in my life may not be the things that need to be formed in your life. And that may not be the things that need to be formed in in their life. The, the, The complexity of our chaotic world is such that we each need our personalized education. And Jesus has designed it that way 2,000 years ago. It's only now that our schooling systems are starting to try and catch up to that idea. So how does that work? How do we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and be taught by our teacher Jesus? Well, I'm going to give you three things that I have observed are, are kind of caught up with this process in my own life. The first thing is this. We have to learn to watch our lives for the places where we've not yet been formed in truth. We as as human beings, it's it's typical, it's normal for us to kind of go up and down throughout our days. You know, like we've got a good thing going on, we get to work first thing and it's going well and we're excited, we're going to get a lot done today and then you get that email. And you go from here, it drips down a little bit. And you're, you're like, oh, this is tough. Okay, hold on, get, get another cup of coffee. So you spin up a little bit, and it's going well. And then you go to Chipotle for lunch, and it's getting even better, you know. And then you have the meeting with your boss, and it gets really bad again. You know? So we like hop up and down as we go throughout our days. That's normal. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But when we go down and we get stuck, that's the place where truth hasn't yet been established in us. When you dip down, and what happens is your mind starts running cycles on you. That's a place where the truth could set you free. Now, it works out differently for each of us. Some of us get really, uh, we, we get afraid. We start obsessing over our anxieties. What if this happens? What if that happens? And, and all that. Others of us, it goes to an anger place. That person, I can't believe it. I'm going to tell them. You know, others of us, we disengage and we start victimizing Oh, woe is me. I'm so lonely. This is so hard. Da, da, da. It, it happens each of us, for each of us differently. So you can work out the, the specifics on you. But the idea is you get down and you get tanked, right? That's a place where you're being invited through the classroom of your life 
to learn a lesson from your tutor. And it's important that we understand there's no condemnation in that place. All right? When you hit the places where you realize, I could grow, the enemy will try and stack a whole lot of shame on that, right? You're a terrible person, and I can't believe this. You're not a Christian at all. You know, whatever it is, like a real nice person would never treat their spouse that way. Whatever version, however that works for you, the enemy will try and stack condemnation, but there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So we refuse the condemnation, but we learn the lesson. And, And for me, I think this is somewhat beyond me, Usually that involves me getting over my denial that it's not happening. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? I always try to deny my problems away first, and it might work for like 2% of them. But for the other 98%, I I feel like I kind of bang my head against the wall for a little while, and then, oh, something's actually happening here. (laughs) So so number one is, okay, where am I in a a lesson from, from life here? So step two then is this. That's the, oh, let me, let me illustrate with an example, by the way, to, to make this whole thing concrete. So <clears throat> about a decade ago, God transitioned my career path. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my background was in sciences, got a PhD in physics. I was headed on a different trajectory, you could say. And when, I, when I'm finishing up my, my schooling and I've got my thesis and defense and all that is coming up, I'm talking with God about the next steps. And God tells me, Putty, I want you to lay physics down. But I don't know where it's headed next. I don't know that I'm eventually going to become a pastor. I I don't know any of these things. All I know is I've been headed this way for a decade, and God says, I want you to lay it down. So I I say, okay, Lord, we can do that. A little nervous about that, but okay. So I lay it down, and immediately what happens when I lay that down is I'm running loops. Oh, no, where am I going to get money? My wife is pregnant with our, our first kid. We own a house. I just crash landed a decade worth of training and I have no idea if that's applicable anywhere else. Like, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna start obsessing about it. It's a place where I can learn a lesson. So when you're in that place, the next thing you do is you have to engage the voice of your tutor. You have to talk with the Holy Spirit. And there's two great places or two great ways to go about doing that. One is this book. This book is thousands of recorded words spoken by the Holy Spirit. And there is all kinds of wonderful stuff in here. Now, you might be thinking, oh, that book's so old. I don't know how that applies to the situations in my life. Here's the thing. The specifics of the details are probably different. But the general situations themselves, almost exactly the same. Our humanity has not changed much in 2,000 years. We still hit relational problems that we don't know how to move past. We still hit places where we have to trust God and walk forward in faith that we don't know what it's going to look like. We hit all those things, and all of those things are addressed in this book. So one of the things I'm doing is I'm saying, okay, God, where is there a place where I can engage with this topic in your book? And I'm reading it, and I'm asking him, Lord, will you speak to me? You might think, oh, well, you know, sinking a physics career, where is that in the book? The Israelites were delivered from Egypt and had no idea where they were headed. They had to follow God, not knowing one step at a time, we're going to follow the cloud here, we're going to follow the cloud here. There's five books of the Bible right there about that, okay? There's plenty in this book. You You can get it. So engage 
the voice of the Holy Spirit through the scriptures and also ask him questions. I, I taught at the U of I for maybe four or five years. I, I don't know exactly. I don't recall. I should look that up at some point. But um, one of the things I learned during my teaching at U of I was this. My favorite students were always the ones who asked a lot of questions. Why? Because I could tell they were engaged. I could tell they cared. They wanted to know. The ones that I was always like, eh, take or leave them. The people who never asked a question in class. Those are the ones I was like, yeah, sure, I suppose I'm glad you're here, you know? The engagement is actually something that brings life to the teacher. Sometimes we think, oh, I don't want to bother God with my questions, you know, it's not that big a deal, I can figure it out. When you ask the Holy Spirit a question, I'm pretty sure it puts a smile on his face. And so ask him questions. Don't be afraid of it. He likes it. So I'm in this situation. God says, lay down your physics thing. And so I do, but I'm super anxious. I'm super nervous. So it's like, okay, God, I think I need to hear you say something. And so, God, what, I need your help. Like, say something to me. And he says, okay, buddy, I just want you to wait and trust me. Okay. That doesn't fix my problem, God. Thanks for, thanks for just erasing the emotional tension with that one. Right? It doesn't fix the problem unless I know what to do with it. And this is the key part, step number three. And I think this is the part that trips us up so often. When God gives us something, when he speaks something to us, if we think that learning is mental cognition, then I'll expect the hearing of it to fix my problem. But if learning is not mental cognition, but something that has been written on my life, I'm going to expect the writing on my life of what he said to fix my problem. And that's not going to happen unless I engage with what he tells me. My experience is that when God speaks, it's almost like he gives you a gift card. Now, there's two things you can do with a gift card. The thing I, I often do is I put it in my wallet and I forget about it. And the only thing it does is it just takes up space in my wallet. I get no benefit from receiving a gift card that way. And that's what we do if we just hear something and file it away in the back of our mind. It's just taking up space upstairs. But the other thing I can do is I can recognize that that gift card is attached to resources behind it. And the resources behind the gift card will only be accessible if I start swiping that card and using it. And so if you swipe the card and use it, it will change your life. If you leave it in your back pocket, it will do nothing for you. When God speaks, we need to take the things he says and start reaching through them, swiping them to access the resources behind them. What I'm talking about here is the biblical idea of meditation. Now, meditation is something that is kind of becoming more popular in our culture again. And so I want to clarify what I mean here. Much of the meditation that's happening in our culture is not the biblical version of meditation. It's, it's an Eastern version of meditation. And, and I do want to clarify that. Not all that goes, by the way, uh, under the label of mindfulness is spiritually neutral or a good idea. The Eastern idea of meditation is, by the way, if that made you nervous and you're like, ah, 
just come talk to me. I'd love to talk about it. Like, okay, I don't have time to flesh that whole thing out. But the Eastern idea of, of meditation is this. I'm going to use my attention, manipulate my attention to create an altered state of consciousness. In that altered state of consciousness, I'm going to disconnect from layers of my finiteness. So I'm going to leave the fear behind. I'm going to leave the whatever behind. And it's an idea of um, moving forward by shedding parts of ourselves. And the ultimate goal, if you continue down that direction, is to shed everything where you realize you are part of the infinite universe and ohm and all of that stuff. Okay? And I mean no disrespect to this. I'm just trying to clarify the trajectory and say biblically meditation differs from the first point. Because biblically meditation is not about emptying ourselves, it's about filling ourselves. Biblically, meditation is about loving the Lord your God with all your mind, as Jesus says it. And if we will do that, if we will fill ourselves, what we'll find is your road forward is not to shed your finiteness. It's actually to realize your finiteness is a gift from God, and it never exists independent from his ability to help meet your needs. You don't have to disconnect from your needs. You can come to him with your needs. So when Jesus, or when God says something to us, he says, buddy, wait, I want you to trust me. I have to learn to take that and begin to draw off the resources. Now, how do I do that? Mentally, I can do that by pressing in and asking God questions. Okay, so here, questions like this. God, when you said that, what does that mean for how I can see you in this situation? When you said that, what thoughts does that give me permission to think in this situation? What thoughts does that give me permission not to think in this situation? God, how can I see my future in the lens of what you said to me? When you engage those questions, what's happening is you're taking that thing that God said to you and you're beginning to see the world through what he gave you. And when you do that, that process of engaging with what he says and seeing the world through that, that's what shapes and forms you and writes truth on your life. And so when God says, wait, I want you to trust me, I can file the thing away and just continue in my anxiety. That's not why he said it. I, I, I knew I was supposed to trust him before. <laughs> you know, like, he didn't tell me something he didn't know beforehand. It was an invitation to access the resources behind that. So it's like, so okay, so, so, so what I got to do is I got to do this. Okay, God, you said wait and trust you. So, God, how can I see you based on the fact that I can't see what's going forward? You know, my first conclusion is God's holding out on you. God could tell you, but he's not going to tell you. He's just going to be mean. So first thing I jump to. But if I talk, I say, God, God, help me, help me understand that. How can I see you and this situation in light of the fact that you said, wait and trust me? You know what God says? He says, Putty, here's the deal. Where you're going next, you can't see from where you're at. If you were going to make a plan where you're at today, no plan that you can dream up would get you where I'm going to take you. So you have to be willing to follow me through some uncharted territory here. So 
when he says that, now all of a sudden it's like, okay, hold on. God's just not, he's not being just cruel. He's not being mean. What God's actually doing is giving me something better than what I can imagine. I actually can't think up the good thing he has for me. Like, I don't have a box in my head for it right now. So, so I, I have permission to see God in this situation, not as holding out on me, but as the God who wants to give me something better than I know how to ask for. Wow. Okay, God, this is pretty cool. All right, if that's what you said, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you and I'm going to start walking forward. And when you bring that thing along my way, I'm going to go, oh, this is what you're like. I didn't know you were even that good. And all of a sudden, my anxiety is shrinking and turning into anticipation. Why? Because I'm accessing the resources behind what he said. Because I'm swiping that gift card. I'm, 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 I'm linking to the account behind what has been given me. That's the way that truth gets written on our lives. And so, here's my question for you. Each and every one of us, I promise, is somewhere in a growth curve with God. He loves us so much, he like constantly keeps us on that thing. It's never like, you, you know, you just get to chill. He loves to bring you on this. So my question for you is, okay, which of those three would be good for you to engage with where you're at right now? Some of us, it's like, okay, got to admit, I'm growing there. <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's great. Jesus just smiled. He's like, now we can get started. That's fantastic. Some of us, we know the area that's tripping us. We know there's something where I don't have what I need here, but we haven't heard God speak yet. So that's, that's fine. Let's get busy in the Bible. Let's start asking Jesus and the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Some of us have heard what God has said, but it's filed in the back pocket. And if that's you, I want to encourage you, get that gift card out and swipe, 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 swipe. God's got a pretty good balance on his account. You can swipe that thing a lot of times, and you're not going to run out. Do the engagement, and you'll see that that process begins to change you. We may live in a chaotic and a turbulent 2020. Who knows what the next week has to bring for us? I don't know. But there is someone who does. And that someone is the person who's customizing your education to be perfectly fit for the situations you're in. Paul continues the passage that we started uh, with in the very beginning. And he says, here's the result of Jesus' ongoing ministry to us. We all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. You know what Jesus is doing? The knowledge of the Son of God is not just knowledge about Jesus. It's the knowledge that belongs to Jesus. And Jesus is busy putting his knowledge in you, shaping you into the same things that have shaped him. That's why when he does that, it brings you to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He's shaping us. What's the result? We may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves. The waves can get as busy as they like. Jesus is always able to give us more than we need. We don't have to live two steps behind waiting for the next thing to come. No, no, no. God is trustable in this process. Engage with him. Be shaped in truth. 
and you have what you need, even if 2020 is a year of turbulence. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the teacher, and I sense your presence among us, God. I thank you that you love and you care for each of us so personally and powerfully that you have customized the way you're shaping truth in our lives to us. God, just right now, I release the grace to engage and to enjoy that process, God. That we would sense your pleasure and your smile as we do that, and that that, God, would quicken our heart, and that we would love to grow as you love to be our teacher. Lord, we thank you that you are good. You are good. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or join our Vineyard Live Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.